What's up, Doll Nation? Here's a quick question for you. Is using samples cheating? Is it? If you just drag in a sample and just throw that into a song, is it considered cheating? Do you need to tweak it? Do you need to do something with it? We're gonna be answering all these questions in this week's episode of In The Daw with Zan Griffin. He's gonna be breaking down his song, Capricorn, which was a part of his huge Zodiac album, which you should totally go check out. So with that being said, let's go ahead and cue our super dope, dark cinematic intro video. What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy. I'm a music producer much like yourself, and I want to welcome you to another episode of In The Dot. Now, if you're not familiar with what In The Dot is, it is a series where we interview huge music producers. They come and dissect their songs in real time so that you can start learning from music producers that have already made it in the music industry. You don't have to scour YouTube looking for a song or sound recreation video from someone who didn't even create the song or the sound in the first place. No, 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 no. You get to learn straight from the source right here. So if you want to keep learning from huge music producers so that you can one, keep getting better and better at music production, number two, make a bigger impact with your music, and number three, finally make a living off something that you are actually passionate about, then go ahead, click the little subscribe button that is right below this video. You can also hit that little notification icon so you get notified every single time we release a new piece of content because we put out a lot of content that is going to help you become a better music producer. So how is this week's episode of In The Dog going to benefit you as a music producer? How's it gonna make you better? That's a very good question. So like I mentioned in the intro, this In The Dot episode is with Zan Griffin. He's gonna be breaking down his song Capricorn. The beautiful thing about this is that this song was included on his Zodiac album, which got over a hundred million streams. What? And by the way, he released that when he was in high school. The guy is an absolute genius, but whatever. Let's just put that to the side for a second and talk about what you're gonna be learning this week, okay? The first thing that you're gonna be learning about is how to get musical ideas from live instruments. Number two, we're gonna be talking about layering your drop sounds with counter rhythms. What the heck does that even mean? Number three, we're gonna be talking about how to make your kicks just absolutely slap, okay? Every time you do this one thing, it's just gonna make your kick just absolutely just hit you in the chest so hard, all right? We're gonna be talking about it. And then finally, like I mentioned in the intro, we're gonna be talking about is using samples cheating. It's a very controversial topic, but there is a lot of good points that are gonna be brought up in this week's episode, okay? But, Donation, not only do we have this week's episode for you, we actually have other things at the end of the episode that we're gonna be talking about that are even more value, okay? So make sure to watch all the way through this episode, get all the way to the end of the episode, and we're gonna be talking about those things over there. But as a bit of a spoiler alert, we actually created something with Zan Griffin that is much bigger than this episode, okay? So if you really enjoy this episode, you're just foaming at the mouth for more content, then make sure to watch all the way to the end of this episode, and we're gonna be talking about all of that over there. But Don Nation, I hope you are freaking pumped for this week's episode of In The Dot. And with all of this out of the way, let's go ahead and ask our wonderful video editor, Zach Knowlton, if he could introduce us to Zan Griffin and take us In The Dot. At the very beginning, man, let's talk about, you know, like, where did the song kind of start? With samples, were you sound designing? Were you melodically composing? Let's start from the very beginning, all right? Okay, for sure. So this song, it came together really fast, first of all. Like, it was really, I'm like, being honest, it was pretty simple to make. I started the song off with just the chord progression, like these plucks I made in Silent or Silent, however you pronounce it. It's like these plucks that I like to use a lot that I make. It's like super simple, like have like a saw wave and like eight voices detune it and put, what's it called? Like a cutoff AB on the mod envelope and then turn it to the mod. That and then just threw some distortion on it within Silent and then that's how I made the little like intro pluck and then the whole song just came together after that. Perfect, man. Can we check out that little intro sense so we know exactly what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. So I reversed it into it. So like rendered it out and then it goes straight into it. 
that's pretty much it. Like there wasn't really any processing on the pluck. It's super simple. I remember I saw in some comments of people like trying to figure out how I made it. And like all my sounds are really simple in my opinion. Like some people overcomplicate the process of designing some of the things. I'm just like, bro, that's way too much. Like it's not that complicated. But yeah, just a stereo enhancer, EQ, that's it. That's amazing, dude. Okay, so that's what that was. I thought it was a guitar just because of the distortion on it. It sounded like really huge. But you're saying that was straight from silent. That was like yeah. the eight-voice saw. Yeah, exactly. Here, I'll show you. Let me see. I don't even think I did anything. And it's only, yeah, just two oscillators, six voices on one. Oh, there's a square wave too. That, and then I added some chorus on here. Yeah, some warm drive. Really simple. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, this is really cool. This is a cool trick I like to use. If you want to add like a good amount of transients to a uh, pluck, you put a pitch AB modification on like the second envelope and then you turn it up a bit and then you slightly turn up the decay and it adds like this cool like here. If I turned it up more. a really nice transient to the sound. I learned that like a long time ago and I use that in like all my plucks and saws and stuff just to give it a little bit more like bite. bite. Dude, that's mm -hmm. freaking awesome. Yeah, that's actually a really good sound design trick, not only to use on plucks, but literally on everything. If you ever want to create a sound that has a really intense transient, you know what I mean? You do that, you do a really quick pitch envelope at the beginning and it really gives it that punch. You know what I mean? That really, mm, the tasty punch. Yeah, bro, super tasty. Okay, so we got the pluck. You also had some really cool like atmospheric riser kind of stuff going on in the beginning what's all that stuff as far as what's going on in the beginning it's just like a thunder from a cashmere pack uh but yeah thunder from a cashmere pack which is that little atmosphere that's in the back kind of give like those dark vibes i mean like, all the capricorns i've met kind of give off like this dark presence about them so i was like that'd be nice like at that little thunder but that's pretty much it as far as like the intro like any kind of like atmosphere cool anything like that at the very beginning, like those little short, I mean, they're only like two bars. What is those things right there that you have? Got you. So this right here is a reverse sample of the pluck. So if I play that, it sounds like this. I like to do that at a lot of uh, intros of tracks. Like I'll just take the very first element, I'll stem it out, put it in Edison, render it out, then just come in here and then reverse it here. Put it right there, then do uh, some volume automation. Put like a little impact or something there just to make it fill up that frequency space a little bit more so it's not just the pluck reversing into it. So do this little reverb pluck too. This is really cool that you did this. This is a really good storytelling trick. So for example, like whenever we're making songs, whenever we're doing productions like this, we're telling a story, right? We're creating this atmosphere. We're telling a story for people to fall into. And so if you notice the next time you go watch a movie, they always in the very intro within the very first couple of things, they always foreshadow what's going to happen later on in the movie. And so what you're doing is you're foreshadowing, right? You took that lead and you reversed it and you had it playing and kind of leads into it. You know what I mean? Like how many times have you watched a movie and within the first five minutes, there's the main villain and he's showing how bad A he is and everything, but then all of a sudden it cuts and then you don't see the villain for a really long time. It's that concept of foreshadowing, right? So yeah, what you're doing is genius. Like I love it. I freaking love what's going on. So you have the intro pluck and then let's keep going on from there. What else do we got? Like I said, it's just like some ambient elements just to fill up some of that space. Because I feel like without the thunder, it just sounds really dry and like, I don't know, unentertaining. Wolf's vocals, he's amazing. And it's crazy because this was the first song he sang on that he released. That was because he's a producer. I met him because he let me use his CDJs for my first show so I could practice before I played. 
And then uh, he heard Capricorn. He's like, bro, I'm a Capricorn. This is so cool. And then he was like showing me stuff he's saying. I was like, dude, you're going to release this? He's like, I don't know, man. I don't know about my voice. I was like, bro, please sing on Capricorn. I'll be tight. And then he like sent me something like a few days later. It was, that's, it was, like, so that's who the vocalist is? Yeah, Wolf. The vocalist out here is amazing. Speaking about the vocals, did he process mm-hmm. them or did you process them? He did some processing and then I did some processing. Like he did the cool like pitch automation things that come after he says like way. Here, uh, let me see if I can play it. He'll do like processing like that. He did like some cool delay. He'll like automate the mix on like a delay or something to make it sound like it's like a whole bunch of repeating and then it'll just cut out suddenly. So, so they, nice. they did some like cool, cool processing. processing. That's amazing, dude. And so, but as far as like kind of like the mixing part of the vocal, was that mostly you? Yeah, definitely. So he sent me like all of these are vocals right here. So I think it's probably in separate channels, probably. <laughs> So I was just doing like everything individually. Like my mixing, like everything is just so messy and unorganized <laughs> when I was doing this. Like this whole album, dude, it was just chaotic. Yeah, so it's pretty basic processing though. Like nothing too special. He got some really nice dry vocals and he sent me like some wet vocals too. So I didn't have to do that much. Like I used CLA 2A to like compress it, even it out. I believe this is the main vocal or main group. So. Give it some and nice warmth to it, right? With the CLA. Exactly. And then Maserati. I don't know why it's off. So I don't know if I use it on this song, but I use Maserati on a lot of songs. VX1 is really nice. Mode Step Based- talked about that. They said that the Maserati is like, there's just something magical about that plugin. It really is, dude. I use the Maserati bass plugin. It's like how I've been able to create some really cool textures and like, I don't know, like sounds that I really haven't heard before, which is really cool. So basically, I mean, really all you got is just some basic compression and some, I guess, some basic saturation that's coming through the compression. Yeah, pretty much super simple track like compared to other things i've made it's just pretty easy then it comes into this second part in the intro it's like guitar and like that little lead synth that you hear like that kind of like middle eastern flute question about your chord progression with not only just this section but kind of the whole song like walk me through like how did you come up with it the chord progression was super simple i made this whole album before i I had graduated high school so i still lived in apple valley and when i was out there there's a piano in our living room and i would go in there every single time i wrote a song i would just go in there and jam out it could be like five minutes and i come up with some or it could be like an hour and then finally i come up with like a chord progression i like can run in my room like as fast as i can like i must make this i can't forget about this whole like song idea that's just come from my head from this one chord progression super simple like even looking at the chords i don't know like the technicalities like, except d c, minor. c sharp minor d five minor oh, yeah c sharp why did i say c minor but uh 
Yeah, it's in the C sharp key. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's just a really simple, like dark chord progression that doesn't change that much. Like the bass notes are the most drastic change in like the chord progression pretty much. So. That's about it though. That's amazing. What I'm hearing is that you really was just playing on the piano and when did something sound good, that's when you went and recorded it, right? It wasn't necessarily methodical. It wasn't like, okay, I want this chord than this chord. It's more so like, no, let's just mess around. I'm gonna play and see what comes up, right? Exactly. That's how pretty much all my songs come to be. I don't know like the technicalities behind music theory and like when I create a chord, I don't automatically be like, oh, it's in this key so I could do this chord next. It's just me playing around. Like I go by a complete ear. That's how I make every chord. That's much. amazing. And so with you like playing on the piano, do you play on the piano with nothing else? No, like key filters or anything. So like, you know what I'm saying? It's like a straight piano. Like it's just a piano inside the living room, like a acoustic piano. Yeah. So I'll just play on there. And that's how I kind of got my... Um, I don't know, like my writing abilities for music and things like that. Love it, dude. That's absolutely amazing. For those who are watching this and that don't have that skill of sitting down at the piano are really the time to learn. Because what you're saying is that you really don't know music theory that well. You're just going yeah. and playing, right? So for people who don't have that, or maybe they just don't have a piano in general, another <laughs> option to do, you can do it with your keyboard on your computer or with like, I have an Ableton push right here. I got a keyboard over there, you know, like whatever you have available to you. We now have the technology where you don't need to know keys or anything like that. You can literally just pull in like a MIDI effect and say, I want to play within this key and whatever note I play, I want you to force it into that key. You know what I mean? So like, for example, in this case, this would be C sharp minor, D flat minor. Basically, you just go and say, hey, I want to play inside of D flat minor. Don't come out of it. I'm just going to go have fun and play whatever I want. And you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what key you push because it's going to yeah. be in key. And so that's one thing I really, really love to do because whenever I have to think about the technicality of it, like, oh man, is this in the key? Is this a proper chord? Like you lose it really, really quick. Yeah. Unless you're like hardcore trained, then, you know, you won't lose it. But for the majority of us, it's like, ah, oh, lose it. But you know what I'm saying? I feel like it's all about uh, making the creative process as convenient as possible. I feel like this is kind of like a side note, too. But I just feel like it's important, especially for a place for a whole bunch of producers, especially aspiring producers that watch these videos. It's important to make your creative process the most practical and stop being so egotistical. I remember I saw this post years ago. This man didn't want to use loops because he felt like he was cheating. So he started to use individual samples. He used individual samples and thought that was cheating. So he recorded the samples with the drum set. He thought recording the samples off of a drum set he didn't make was cheating. So he killed a sheep and chopped down trees to make the drum set. Then he thought it was cheating to go get the sheep. So then instead of cutting the sheep skin from someone else's sheep, he bred sheep. But then it's like, what do you do after that? <laughs> so, I mean, just make the process like easier on yourself or you're going to stress and you're not going to finish music. A lot of the people that I hear that are always talking about like, oh, this person doesn't know like music theory or whatever. I'm sorry, they're not successful musicians or producers. I just feel like they're bitter and they get mad at people who have like fulfilled their dreams and are having a good time. And they're just bitter because they're like, man, I know all these things and I know all these technical, like I just learned so much. And in their head, I feel like they look at this other person as inferior. They're like, they don't know as much as I do. So why am I not as popular as they are or you know whatever it may be and then but you could just see the bitterness in certain comments like, totally definitely. i love that you're saying this i'm loving you bring it up because you're right dude you're absolutely right at the end of the day you need to ask yourself are you in the business of getting people to be wowed by the amount of knowledge you have or are you in the business of getting people to listen to your music which business are you in it doesn't matter which one it is you just need to decide because if you're in the business of getting people to listen to your music don't be pissed off someone doesn't know everything. You know what I mean? That's not the kind of business that you're in. You know what I mean? You are in the business of getting people to listen to your music. So at the end of the day, 
what gets people to listen to your music. It's not the extensive knowledge that you have about that analog synth that you have that it's all modular. But people don't care about that. You know what I mean? As far as, you know, like the traditional music listener, they usually don't care about that. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. That's all people care about. Yeah, that's all people music. care about is good music. <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> that's the all people day. care about. You're absolutely right. And also, like, in anything inside of music, anything, like, literally any part of music production, if there is something that you don't enjoy doing, then don't do it. So, like, for example, we were talking about the School of Bass earlier, the 85 Sound Design course that we did, and you're enjoying mm -hmm. it because you enjoy sound design, right? Yeah. That's cool. That's totally cool. That's totally fine. But if you came to me and was like, why? I really don't enjoy sound design. I just want to use presets. You know what else I would say? Cool. That's great. That's what you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Then do it. You know what I mean? Like, for example, I will never sound design a riser in my entire life. I have no desire to. There's so many beautiful risers out there. Why the freak would I do that? I feel it, dude. You know, it brings me no joy. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sound design a kick. There's too many beautiful kicks out there. But AU5 loves sound designing kicks. Then he should. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? So you really, you got to make a list. Like, what do I like? to do i like to sound design i like to do x i like to do y and all that other stuff you don't like outsource it it's all about the music right definitely enough people don't realize that. i mean even me at certain times it's like it took me to get to a certain point because it's like you get insecure when you're like talking to people who have been doing it for a long time or like you get feedback from whoever get a comment from whoever and then you see that they're like criticizing your knowledge on something and it kind of makes you like oh man i'm inferior type of thing but that's why I said that I was just like, just to counteract that for other producers, because I know that they ran into so, that already. So. Totally. You're absolutely right, man. Guys, there's no reason to stress about that. The only people that are really going to say that are hurt. You know, there's a saying that we love to say, it's hurt people, hurt people, right? If someone is genuinely taking the time out of their day to trash talk you for whatever reason, man, their life is going to suck. To really find time to do that, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, Gary V says it all the time. Misery loves time. Misery loves company. Misery loves company, dude. But anyway, so we kicked that dead horse, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we got the chord progression, you know, and we kind of got to bar 25-ish. Yeah, bar 25, that's when like a lot more elements start kicking in. This is when the bass guitar kicks in and like some other uh, synths that added. I'll explain them. Give me your tears. I will make fire from them. Give me your pour. As far as like the sounds that we're using, we got hooks. And this is a, okay, so I do this like in pretty much like all my songs. I always have like an art playing like underneath the chords. It's very like pleasing to the ear for me. That's definitely why I just add like a super simple art. All the sounds I use are pretty simple to design. I actually have these presets available. Like a lot of the stuff that I use, I used to do tutorials in the past. I have like all that stuff on my YouTube still. So any of you guys could go download any of that stuff right now, I believe. If it's not, I'll upload some more presets. Killer. Love it. Daw Nation, if you guys want these presets, go to his YouTube channel. Yes, sir. Thank you. But yeah, just um, distortion, overdrive, chorus. And it's just pretty much the same exact processing as the pluck. Actually, wait, wait, this is the pluck. I'm stupid. Let me go to the ARP. All right, so now we're on the ARP. It's pretty much the same exact processing <laughs> still. Yeah, pretty much the exact same thing, except it's arpeggiated this time. So, yeah, super simple. Okay, then we got the guitar. I always forget that it, my voice doesn't come through when I play it. 
to make elements sound a lot more real, like nowadays I pretty much just play the piano into the DAW and just play it so I get it right and maybe like adjust some notes. So then that way it's actual like real piano playing. For other instruments, like I'm not the most skilled guitar player. So it would be hard for me to play this exactly on beat and get the plucks as clean as they are. You just mess around with the velocity levels for each note and just make it sound like, think of how a guitar player would play something and just modify the notes to that. So also like how you offset notes too, like take how it snaps to the grid. I usually just put none. And then um, for certain notes, I'll move them over just a tiny bit. And then it just makes them sound like human. So then it's not so exact. Like always just choppy, choppy, choppy. So no, yeah, absolutely. Throwing that human vibe into there inside of Ableton. There's a really beautiful way to do that. Have you ever messed around with the groove pool before inside of Ableton? Uh-uh. It does this for you. You know what I mean? It's really? Basically, yeah, it's actually really, really cool. So you can extract a groove from anyone. So you could go and download a Mozart That's- song and extract the groove from him. So like all the inconsistencies in it and apply it to this, literally convert it to it. So like it will match the groove of Mozart or like blank 182 or whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like really, really cool. So that way you can go and they're like, man, there's something really human about this that I really like. You know, like a lot of old hip hop songs, they're all off the grid. You know what I mean? So you can go, you can do the same thing. You do this melody and drums or whatever, and you can apply that to either your melody or your drums or whatever. It's so human. Like it's so relatable. You know Yeah, what I mean? definitely, yeah. dude. That's sweet. I didn't even know I was a feature, dude. That's amazing. That takes a lot of hassle out of like some of the instrumentation, especially, well, I don't know how well it worked for like strings and stuff. Cause you have to like do some weird expression controls and like, like drop them off and stuff. But yeah, and as far as like where I got the guitars, I get it like all my cinematic sounds from East West. I pay uh, 30 bucks a month for their Composer Cloud subscription. You have access to every single one of their plugins. So I recommend that. All my homies who ask me about like what I use, I'll be like, bro, 30 bucks a month, get every instrument that you can imagine. Oh, dude, they have over 10,000 libraries for 30 bucks a month? Are you kidding me? That's like Sweet. two pizzas. <laughs> like you get 10,000 instruments. Yeah, it's amazing. But the real goal, dude, is once I start pulling in this money is to get Spitfire plugins. They are beautiful. Oh, they sound so good. Oh, oh dude, there's this one plugin. I mean, they're all beautiful. They're all, oh, it was from uh, Kashmir told us about it. It's Hans Zimmer's cellist. I can't remember what her name was. It's on the Kashmir episode, but he showed that to us and it's Spitfire, right? And oh my gosh, like you can feel it in your mouth. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a personal little cello playing in your mind. So yes, Spitfire. Yes, I'm into it. Sign me up, coach. (laughs) Yeah, Spitfire, they're just amazing. But yeah, it's a super simple guitar sound from Goliath. But uh, I think I did a bit of processing. Without processing, sounds like. Um, but yeah, super simple. I use reverb buses now just because, like, I realize how much more control I get over things. So, um, but on here, I just wet it up a little bit. Ten percent mix level, five second decay, which is pretty long. Should be a bit shorter than that. Yeah, then I just EQ'd out the low end. Added this on here for like automation, stereo enhancer, widen it. Camel Crusher British Clean on everything just fattens it up, bro. I want everybody who watches this. I feel like people have talked about this in other behind the DAW interviews, but like if you haven't already, bro, please get Camel Crusher. It's free. It's a dope distortion plugin. And I swear like this British Clean preset just will make anything that you throw at it sounds good. It's like instant fattener. It's crazy. This is amazing. I love it. I'm so into it. 
By the way, I just recorded you talking about that. So put it on Instagram stories because it's so good. But anyways. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So Camel Crusher Bridge Clean is a really dope. And then you could just like mess around with some of the settings in here. Like the tube distortion and the amount of compression. And it has like a fat mode, which will like make it like super distorted. It's nice. But uh, yeah, so that's the guitars. And then we got, I think this is the bass guitar. Right so the bass is east-west once again. It's nice because they have all these options for how the bass is played. So whether it's like a sustained note that's hit with your finger, or if you had like a picked bass note, that's like a pluck. But then they also have a slides. Like if I change the articulation to this. So it just, it sounds fat. Yeah, and then just like a little bit of processing, I believe. I said Maserati B72. This plugin is so amazing. I love this plugin. Yeah, but before processing, sound like this. And then after, it fattens it up quite a bit. Let me see. Oh, okay. So this is a preset that I like to use and then tweak it. MC Finger Bass Wake Up. That really is dope. Like I use that on a lot of bass guitars and it adds like this nice transient at the beginning. Camel Crusher British Clean always and then uh did some boosting down here just because i didn't have a sub playing or anything so i was like ah, i don't care that and then we have i think this is the piano right here this is a trick that i actually told somebody about the other day so what i'll do is i'll take the attack make it as short as possible, take the release, make it relatively short. And then, I mean, the compressor type, I mean, it, it makes a difference, but I just put it on medium. And then I uh, take the threshold down like a lot where you're just like slamming the sound at this point. I turn the ratio up quite a bit. So it's like pretty much like limiting the signal. And then uh, what that does is it just like takes the piano. So instead of it being like, if you just imagine like the transient and like the signal, how it kind of does this, it does this instead. So it's just like a square of like piano sound. It just stays consistent. It just sounds really nice. I don't really know like what exact like effect. And then when you put reverb before that compressor, it compresses the reverb too. So then the reverb just adds like this whole other layer of like thickness on top of the piano, which is really nice. The only thing is that you should use a really short decay with that because since it's compressing that reverb, you're going to hear it the whole time. And so if you have eight seconds of reverb, then it's going to be eight seconds of constant noise. So you want to either automate that out or you want to just have like a really short decay time and maybe turn the mix down a bit too, depending on what you're doing, like if it's for a drop. But if it's for like a break, then you have like a lot of leeway with breaks and how much reverb you use. I love it, dude. And to expand on that, when you were going through the videos on the school base, did you see the midside OTT? Uh, I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, dude, this is gonna change your life. Um, really? Oh, it's so good because it's OTT, but it's midside. With a piano, especially a very reverberant piano, it mm -hmm. does this, but it does it individually, both on the mids and the sides. You know what oh. I mean? And so it makes it sound even better because you're giving the mids and the sides both the attention that they need. It's funny that you did it with the piano because he shows how to do it with the piano because it makes the piano gigantic, huge size of a building piano. It's so good. I love what you're doing right now to make that really reverberant, huge piano sound. Love it. It's freaking amazing. Thank you, man. By the way, what piano uh, are you using? I don't like using East-West pianos anymore. I just, I'm not the biggest fan. I like addictive keys pianos primarily nowadays. Back when I made this, I used 
Yeah, East West. Mm, love it. Quantum Leap Piano. Like Steinway one. But hmm? you use uh, Addicted Piano. Is that what, Addicted Keys? What was it? Yeah, Addictive Keys. Really quick, the melodic part that the piano is playing, is that just coming from whatever the chords um, are? I mean, the chords, they're not playing this specific. Uh, this is just something that I came up with. Usually what I'll do is I'll just have the... Have like that pluck playing and then i'll like get a piano and then i'll just come up with the melody i'll sit maybe for the next whatever amount of minutes figuring out like what works what like catches my attention what keeps me entertained like it doesn't sound too similar to something else i've done just like a few different criteria and then eventually like that came from that awesome okay cool so let's keep moving and then, uh, it goes into like this little uh build right here So question before we start breaking down the individual elements for producers that are having a hard time creating a proper build like you have here, one that really creates tension and really gets people ready for the drop. What are some techniques that you have that are really good to have in? Yeah. A so build, you know as I mean? far as like what I like to do for a build is definitely taking an original element from whatever you did before. I've heard some people where their build is just like a whole different song. Like it's a cool build, but it just sounds so out of place. I feel like you have to keep some kind of element that was in like the previous eight bars and then uh, bring that in here. Like for this song, I just pretty much brought the whole thing in here and just added other sounds on top of that. To go into a build, you need some kind of up sweep and down sweep. I always use this like big room house impact. That's like super stereotypical. Like I use that in every single song I've made for like years. And um, there's this riser I made with the Nexus preset. You hear this in every single one of my songs. And I just rented that out and put it in a little favorite samples folder. And then I'm able to just access things like this whenever. So yeah, like get like a cymatics kit or splice, whatever, put a riser right here, have an upsweep coming towards the end too. And what I like to do a lot of times is to have some separation between the build and the drop is usually like the last two counts or last bar, I'll usually like cut and have some like cool little fill or I'll have like the lead solo and then I'll have like a reverse kick going into the drop. So then it has a transition into that kick. So the kick's not coming in so suddenly. Going back to our movie analogy, you're utilizing things that happen in movies. I mean, how many times have you been watching a movie and something crazy is about to happen and everything <laughs> went silent or so many things went quiet? It's that same concept, right? When we have a build, you're building tension. That's where the term build comes from. You're building tension, right? And then you yeah. have the drop, which is where you drop and you release things, right? And so to have that right before everything happens, you take everything out and it exactly. makes it even more powerful, yeah. right? I think a really good element to use too is like how for this one, I did like these little bass fill. That's just like a really unexpected sound because you haven't heard anything similar to that since the song started. Something that a lot more musicians or producers need to think about is keeping people's attention during their songs and like exactly what is the attention grabbing part. I mean, I still have issues with that sometimes. It's like figuring out that one element or like few elements that work in a way where they're not clashing with each other or fighting each other for attention, but they work together and having this lead or melody or whatever it may be that keeps a listener interested. As far as like these little bass things, sometimes I just like for fills like this, I'll just literally go into like a cashmere pack or like random packs and go through like 
bass impact sounds and then i'll be like okay it'll be cool to like do like some cool like glitchy whatever because it, it for me it feels like a waste of time for me to design these sounds make like four instances of like serum just to make these little fills that are barely like audible sometimes like because they're not they're not constant throughout the song all the time so it's just like i said wasted time so just go get these samples so i got most of them from cashmere pack and then from this like cool like robo pack that i got years ago for like cinematic sound and then so you got that cashmere impact you got another cashmere cloud thing so i'm just reading all this kind of stuff you got the kick mm-hmm. there the reversed kick right yep mm-hmm. and then, then then that goes into the drop which leads us to the drop all Let's right so the drop um which i get questions on pretty frequently so i'll be able to explain it <laughs> the drop came to be i started off as a progressive house progressive trance producer really under uh, my alias zan wow like i did like a whole bunch of stuff like small progressive labels like elliptical sun and like tried to do stuff with like silk and enhanced and stuff like that so i just took inspiration from my old track called journey and it's like in this triplets format and it has like this automation of the cutoff on the arc and on the bass note. So then it opens up during like the last few notes. So then, like I said, it adds like a little bit of movement, a little bit of interest, keeps your attention type of thing. Yeah, and then another thing I feel like is really important, like for making like some triplet drops bounce or flow really nicely is to have like opposing notes, like as far as like one is like half time and one is double time. have the arp and then the arp is like twice the speed as like the regular chords and then the same thing applies like with the bass so like i feel like if i had all the notes playing like the exact same speed notes like one of them like if if all of them were just the exact same length it wouldn't bounce as much it wouldn't feel as energetic it would kind of just feel like the more sluggish slow so like having best of both worlds is nice because if i had the original chords going the same speed as the bass notes it would just feel too fast for me it'll just feel like it's too much i don't know so i feel like that balance is really nice so whenever you feel like because sometimes you make notes and then like you have them how they are arpeggiating or how they are like repeating they're too fast or they're too slow so it's really nice to be able to have one that's that slower pace and then have like your bass notes be like a faster bass notes if that be like a faster pace absolutely dude in our first episode of in the doll with trivecta he was breaking mm-hmm. down his really big remix he did for Elenium for Fractures. And he taught mm-hmm. this exact concept. And he's like, dude, if you really want to do some, like make your super sub, not just super sauce, but whenever you're layering things together, oh my gosh, like have them do counter rhythms and counter melodies yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I don't even know if that's the proper term. That's just the term he used. But like, it's so much better than just something going dun, 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 dun. You know, you kind of have mm-hmm. all these things kind of working together in this really beautiful dance of notes and music. Exactly, you know I mean? man. It's, it's really important. And then um, as far as like the bass, I had some people, I saw comments on like the track on like how I made this like main bass that you hear. 
was like mad easy to make. Like I made, I have tutorials on my YouTube, like I said, for uh, like this specific sound. So uh, as far as like the, how the bass pluck is made, it's just like some distortion, saw wave. Um, looks like it has four voices with retrigger on. Has like a low pass filter on. Cutoff is pretty low. Have the mod um, pitch envelope pretty high, so that way it has like that nice bite. Because if I took this away, like it, there's a big difference. So this is with it on and with it off. Clearly a different sound. Oh yeah, first one of the things I want to address in the drop, your freaking kick, dude, is pounding through, dude. Like it is that is a thick boy. All right, what so is my going kicks, on? That is dude, amazing. Like that, that is always the biggest focus for my songs, bro. Like I cannot. I, that's that's always something I'm proud of with with songs I create is the kicks always punch through, dude. Like that is the most important thing for me. Is like the kick has to be fat. It has to fit. And it has to just be like audible. Like you have to feel that. I remember I spent like 20 minutes making this multi-band compressor preset that works on literally any kick for any genre. And it just fattens it up instantly. I got to figure out exactly what the technicalities behind how I did Because I go through these phases where I know about like a like subject, like the technicalities, of like multi-band compression or something for like a few days. But I don't keep brushing up on that knowledge. So then it kind of just like fades away out of my brain. And like I look at things, I'm like, okay, I know generally like what's going on, but not like the super technical. But uh, as far as like what I do know, it looks like I have the lower band um, just like completely not smashed, but like there's not any kind of like original signal coming through because the attack is like all the way down. So um, that's just going to allow for me to like just smush the low end of the kick and make it, um, a lot thicker and like last longer because I hate really like top kicks. Like I hate stuff that's like, that's really short and like has like a harsh transient, but like has no kind of like bottom end to it. There's some people who are really big fans of that kicks. Like you hear that in like some uh, dubstep tracks. I feel like in certain dubstep tracks, they use like really like thin kicks like that, but they sound really nice. But for me, I, I just like always like a kick with like some bottom in it. So doing this like with the compression just really brings out that bottom in like any kick that you throw into here. And um, with the mids, I have the attack all the way up. So just get it to smack as much as possible and have like the craziest transient. And the same thing for the high end is have like the craziest transient possible, but the bottom, I just want it to be like present. And, uh, and it all flows really nice together. So like without the compression, it sounds like this. With the compression, it sounds like this. Donation, if your kicks aren't slapping you like an abusive stepmother, something's wrong. All right, you got you got to use this trick he's got going. Yeah, like literally anybody uses FL, like you guys could just copy. I'm telling you, these any kick, bro, and you can tweak them to your liking too. Amazing, dude. And then is there another no, kick this in there? Is, is that a side chain? I just always have my side chain layer separate. So this is just like a little like tiny teeny kick that's like a few milliseconds long, just to have as a signal for side chain. I think side chaining inside of FL is a little different. So how I side chain is I create the signal first. So this one's this little tiny kick. I just duplicated the main kick and made it really short. Make a side chain channel. And then once I make a side chain channel, it routes to the mixer directly. So if I solo this. That's what the sidechain signal sounds like. So in order for it to not be audible, you want to pretty much just turn this down. And now it won't be audible through the master. There you go. So now it's silent. And then all you got to do is I make a bus. You can 
individually put limiters on like each sound but that's just like i don't know i just feel like that's just really unnecessary so just make a bus for side chain like i made a new template where i have like three different side chains because i like to side chain things differently now at one point i used to just have one and then i just route every single sound that i need to side chain into this one put a fruity limiter on there also what's important is taking this side chain channel select it and go over to whichever your side chain bus is right click right here and then a side chain to this track that's really important and then uh once you do that you're going to put a, lim a fruity limiter in here you're going to open it up go to the compressor also make sure that you turn the ceiling all the way up or else it's going to limit your sounds it's going to um act as like an actual limiter and it's and then you're going to be like why does it sound so like smashed and like weird and like it's because of this like i didn't realize that for the longest time so then go to your compressor setting right click the side chain and then you're able to pick the side chain that you routed over here do that go to your threshold and your ratio nowadays i just turn the ratio all the way up and just mess with the threshold and the release and like sustain those are the knobs that are really going to like change the effect of the side chain is threshold ratio sustain and the release and that's pretty much it for the for how i side chain things and then just route each one of these sounds like over to this track only so like you'll right click and put route to this track only not route to this track or else it'll still be routed to the master and you'll get like two sounds and it'll sound all weird and you may have phase issues that's about it i mean as the drop goes on um chop in the original i feel like it's probably messed up like let me see yeah i don't know why it's not just not not playing oh well but i used the um vocal from pisces and i actually just chopped it that's how i got like that cool little melody like if you listen to the original it has like this cool little chop inside of like the remaining parts of the drops. But then as far as like what else is going on here, percussion's really important with triplet type of songs. I mean, with any song, but like, when I think of triplets, I just think of bounciness. Like you want the song to bounce a lot of times. Like someone who did a really good song example of who does this phenomenally is Bad Computer For Me, I believe is what it's called. That song is like, the mixing, everything is just perfect. That's the definition of, I've never heard a song where I'm just like, nothing can change about this. It just needs to be as is. But he does a really good job of that. And uh, so I just added like a few percussive elements, not really too much. Which just adds a little bit of bounce. that when you do any kind of like house music or whenever you have like when you're using a clap and the kick and the clap hit at the same time use pre-shifted claps like it just hits way harder when you have a pre-shifted clap and this only works when the kick is playing the exact same time as the clap if you have like a pre-shifted clap and there's no kick there it sounds weird because it sounds like it's coming earlier than it should be but when you have a kick layered on top of that it makes the clap come through like I don't know, it just makes it sound way more like aggressive. I don't even know like what the technicalities are behind that. Cause like, just like pre-shifted anything makes a lot of things sound like really hard. Yeah, just hit a different way, so. Just so I understand what you're saying is when you have a clap and a kick at the same time, you don't want to have them exactly on top of each other. You want to have the clap Exactly, so you see like, usually you would have your clap right here. I just took it back like a few. I put it on um, a one six step 
a grid and then I just move it back a few and I just kind of listen to it and every song is different. So it's not just like a surefire method for it. So, but um, just kind of listen to the kick and how it hits and just keep adjusting it until it's just like perfect. Like it's not too early, but it's not too late. I think I know the reason why it would if you if you put them right on top of each other. The reason why is because I, I believe that the transients would in some cases just like phase each other out. And so it kind of like <laughs> takes away from it, right? Because basically, I mean, really like a clap or a snare or anything, it's really just a mini kick. Like if you look at like the transient size and like the components all the stuff, and even in our course, when AU5 is showing how to design a kick and a snare, they're the same thing, except one is just faster and higher. And so if you layer them on top of each other, they're kind of the same thing. They could phase each other out. So you offsetting that, so the transients technically don't hit at the same time. Yeah, um, pretty much. Makes, it I mean, kind of makes a that makes a lot of sense. I just started learning, uh, learning about phase cancellation, how important that is. I always heard about it, but then I was kind of like, I, I know what it is kind of, but nowadays I'm like, oh my gosh, even just like the acoustic treatment in my room and things like that. Totally. You're absolutely right, man. So we made it through the drop. That was really, really good. So the question, like from here on out, is it more so like a copy and pasted thing and there's not very much different? Or um, I'd is say it it's, it's really copy and pasted. And then uh, this part right here is just like a slight chord change. So I'll play from like, like a quarter of the way out from where the chord changes so you can hear it. Give me a chance and I'll do all of it. I will become said before the whole goal with like music is just to like tell a story capture people's attention that's what i tried to do like this chord change is like just so then people don't get too bored you know because it's like i feel like after 16 bars of the same chords playing like like a slight change in sounds i just feel like someone they're, they're gonna expect something else to come in and the lyrics are repeating too so it's just like it just makes sense so it's like a super simple chord change goes from a C, C sharp to D sharp, C sharp, and then C major. And then it just keeps on repeating the, that same like last chord inside of the lap. Cause like this drop is where like where the big drop comes in. So you want to make this drop like the one where it builds the most tension instead of the other one. So I feel like what's really important is when you have two different drops, don't use the same exact build from the, the first one. It just sounds lazy, first of all. And it just doesn't flow the same. It doesn't build that same, like, oh, it's about to come. Like, so for the second one, I just kind of had the same chords just repeating the whole time. And it just built that tension. And like I said, just like have like just constant risers, like even like with these bass notes right here, I faded them in with like some um, some automation. I had a low pass filter on them. And then they're just going to keep coming up, which you'll hear right now. Yeah, so like this, this uh, builds pretty. No, nah, it's not like super mega crowded, but it's pretty crowded. So right here, like I said, I have like these bass notes, which kind of act like because it's a really prominent part of the second drop. So I just had these fade in, and you just kind of hear them in the background, like, "Ooh, what's that?" Like, where are they? Like these glitchy notes type of thing.
so yeah, that. And then that just keeps building up tension. Like I said, like with these builds, you want to make sure that you just keep building up and have like a slight let off, then hit them. You can't let that space be too long, but you don't want it too short either. Or else, it, like I said, it sounds rushed and the drop just doesn't hit like it could. So it's just all about kind of finding that balance and just playing around with what really works. With like the kick, I just added like the top, like I took the kick and I uh, took like the low end out of it and made it really short. So then the actual kick will still be able to hit really hard. And then also it wouldn't take up too much space. Cause it's like the build is like, it's, it's a build. It's not supposed to be like super thick. Like the drop is supposed to be just like a transition point between your break and your drop. So I just feel like you, that's like a middle point. It's like, you want it to be loud and you want it to be prominent, but you don't want it to be more prominent than the drop. You know what I mean? So Yeah, that's pretty much all the elements for the drop. And then I think this is the guitar. And then I just kind of kept the same little melody, like top melody going with the guitars. Like, so it still has like a little bit of uh, like movement. And um, you just kind of hear something in the background that's like a little bit different. pack it just really adds like this nice atmosphere and like fills up uh like a lot of like that frequency space to like so then it doesn't sound empty so it's like a, it's, a, it's like a nice filler sound and uh i just always time that to like whatever like bpm i'm in and then just like keep repeating that throughout the whole thing and then uh got like cashmere impact and uh that one impact that you have that the one that was there i think it was labeled only cashmere can you can you go back down to those really quick? yeah yeah i guess technically it, it could be that sounds really familiar too like it sounds like something from heaviosity yeah dude's cashmere style impacts on it and that's actually when i was listening to this before we hopped in i was like oh man like that's totally heavy it's not heavy awesome it's cashmere <laughs> and so uh, that's awesome dude okay this is this by the way guys if you haven't checked out gravity and if you have 500 dollars to spend on something it's worth it it's so or wait till black friday and get it on a massive deal mm -hmm. but still like okay this, this is great cool so we got the build you got all the elements in there yep big boy so this is the final drop right here As far as like how I create this drop, when I was thinking of like a second drop, I was like, all right, bro, like you need to open up those chords, you know, have some superstars. Like I already had an idea of what I wanted to sound like, but I was like, but how am I gonna like change up the, not the chord progression, but 
just like the pattern of consistency of the chords, like the repetitiveness, like how am I going to make the second drop something that's different enough from the first one to be like interesting and like really cool and really like have that let off kind of thing. Cause the first one is that minimal, like kind of anti drop kind of thing. And then the second one is like, you just want like that full, like, ah, energy. And so I just decided like when I did this to just switch up the pattern every few counts so then that way it just keeps having like a kind of new element in a way so and then uh in between those like little like stabs i have like all the bass notes playing one tip that's really useful for uh, a lot of producers, I feel like, is when you have simultaneous notes of like the same chord playing like this, like really fast. If you don't have like a little bit of space in between each note, they're going to sound all like one note and you're not going to get that effect that you're looking for. And the same applies to bass notes if they're not like plucks, if they're like subs and stuff, it just sounds like one continuous note. And you'll just be like, bro, what happened? So you always want to shorten the tails of some of these synths so you add like a little bit of dead space in between each one so you can hear like that transient unless it has like a really prominent transient as is then you don't need to do that like a uh, plucks you don't have to do this but synths is a really important method so i just put this on like one six step and then i'll just take these down one but if i made them all the same length they'll sound like this. and it's like you can still hear it but once you start layering all these other sounds on top of each other it's just like you can barely hear that that's like a triplet pattern and it kind of just sounds like one steady note. So just like I said, adding that bit of separation, like literally will just change the song's drop. Just like those little tiny things. But yeah, so that's it for like how I came up with like the progression. And as far as like the layering goes, I always get questions on like how I layer like my super saws and things like that. So as far as how I layered this, I believe before I even checked, I believe I have like some like kind of harder like saw bass that has like white noise, probably like one this saw base that I call like a filler saw. I have a sub and I think I have like a, this one preset in Serum that I like to use uh, called Ampology. It's literally the first sample that loads up in Serum, which is called Ampology. Yeah, all of them are playing the same note and then they just layer together. Uh, here, let me find all these bases. This little pop-up thing at the top always gets in my way when I put my mouse up here. <laughs> Um, here we go right here. So and here, uh, this is like a little bass. I took a serum preset and then I just modified it uh, to my liking and then just made it like a Zan Wild bass like a few years ago. And I use this in a lot of, uh, in a lot of songs and, uh, like modified presets. And then some of them I'll make. This is from a Cymax kit and I just took like the filter off uh, a few other things and then um, then like a sub preset from Serum and then layered with the saw. And I think I have two saws playing. Super wide, literally like just offset to the max. And then I turned the stereo like to just, I, I tried to get as much of, of the sides as I could and get rid of like that mid signal and kind of tuck it behind the main saws, which are like these, which have a bit more mid information. Makes the drop just sound way wider, especially in headphones. So when like people are wearing earbuds, which is usually like what consumers will wear, it's like when they wear that, it just like sounds like super spacious and like they don't know how to describe it, but it's just like, wow, it just sounds, I don't know, wider, you know? So uh, yeah, that's a trick I like to use. And then boom, that's it. <laughs> 
but yes. like these little like tiny like bass notes that have like these little articulate notes they're just like little uh, presets that i find and i put them in the mixer just made them pretty even as far as like volume goes and like i think maybe i put like camel crusher and uh like a little bit of processing on them just to make them a little bit more uniform yeah that's about it or right, yep and then the Second part where there's like a major change in the drop is this where it's like the whole time you just have like those like articulating notes. Of like what's going on right here. And then to make it feel like it's moving forward, I just have a riser right here. And then I, I just make it cut off and like it comes in and it cuts out, comes in, cuts out. And I have like a little bit of reverb automation. So every time it like has like this cool little like whooshing effect. takes that away then it just takes a lot away from the drop drop it sounds empty without it so uh yeah and then it goes back into like the same initial drop and then uh right here it just has like this little uh like fade out where i have like a low pass filter just taking all the high end out of each one of these synths like the intro all over again and then uh wolf he just sang like some really cool like little runs and things like that and then just put that at the end filtered it and then that's the end of the song pretty much besides like these little uh ending notes right here which i like to do like it's kind of like how movies are like where they add like these little end notes to things people who are who do like a lot of like cinematic music con zimmer do that type of stuff uh... That's, that's the song pretty much. Final question for you. Is yeah. there anything that you want to know that you just don't know yet? You know, is there, some, is there a certain concept or a certain strategy, a certain tactic? Um, I feel like there's not really like one specific, maybe I guess sound design, like just understanding a bit. Cause I can make like cool, like hyper growls and things like that. But like there are certain producers that I listen to and I'm just like, bro, how? How do you even make Serenus? Like, I can make, like, virtual Riot wubs, and even though he's an amazing sound designer. But, like, there's just, uh, like, for example, like, the homie um, Iki guy. Also, like, Bad Computer, he has, like, some really dope sound design. Shadiant, he has, like, some really cool stuff. Who else? A5, what? Who? Huh? Oh, yeah, AU5, his, his stuff is just on another level, dude. <laughs> Absolutely. Xylent, too. Xylent is an insane sound designer. Sound just... design and, like, mixing concepts and, like, just cleaning up things, making things hit harder, like, making them stick out a certain way. I think those are, like, just, like, two things that I've been really focusing on lately. Because it's, like, for me, the songwriting and creative aspect of music have really never been a problem. It's always been the more technical side of things that I've always been. 
been uh, a struggle for me. So. Got it, got it. Daw Nation, you're watching this right now and you have any sound design tips, any mixing tips, anything technical like that that you want to share with Zan, put it freaking down in the comments. Put it down in the comments right now or, or take a screenshot of this right now Tag us in an Instagram story and tell us there, all right? Tell us over there. What are some cool tips and tricks that you guys have, all right? We want to hear from you. This is such a good episode, but we also want to hear from you guys. We know that everyone has little bits and tidbits of knowledge that they can share that we don't even know, and we want to hear from you guys. So please do that. But Zan, did you, freak, did you oh, have yeah, a good bro. time, man? I had, I had an amazing time, bro. I love going over like projects and things like that. It's always fun. What's up, Donation? Did you enjoy the episode? Did you learn a lot? Now, don't head out yet because there's still some things that we need to talk about because there's some more value that we need to give to you before you head on out, all right? Now, before we talk about those things of value, I just would like to remind you to hit the like button and the comment below, whether you liked the episode or whether you didn't like the episode. And if you didn't or you did, go ahead and let us know why. We'd love to hear from you in the comments. And of course, make sure to hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell so that you get notified every single time that we release a new piece of content. So you made it all the way to the end of the episode now, and now we're gonna be talking about the extra pieces of value that we're going to give to you right now. So the first thing that we wanna talk about is our Behind the DAW series, okay? So what the heck is the difference between In the DAW and Behind the DAW? It's a fantastic question. So In the DAW is where you are right now. We really focus on the technical side. How do you make this sound? How do you write this melody? How do you mix this, master that, so on and so forth. But Behind the DAW focuses more on the emotional, philosophical, and music business side. Okay, so if you wanna check out those, make sure to go check out those episodes. We have episodes with like the CEO of Trap Nation, uh, Flux Pavilion, Henry Fung, Kara, Echoes. I mean, it just, there's so many people that we've interviewed over there. We recently did one with AU5 and Xylent. You should really go check those out. There's so much value over there, okay? Second thing I wanna talk about is our Mastermind episodes, okay? Which, okay, you know, a bit of a disclaimer really quick. These episodes are not for everyone, okay? They are not for the hobbyists. These are for people that are really devout and very serious about making music production their career all right it's for the overachievers it's for the people that are willing to go the extra mile above and beyond the call of duty so to say so what the mastermind episode is that over the course of a week i go and find a piece of content that i feel like is really 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 going to benefit you as a music producer okay sometimes it's a book sometimes it's a video sometimes it's an idea sometimes it's a piece of music sometimes it's a podcast it can be literally anything that i find that i really feel like is going to help you then what i do is i go and i find that i bring it back i present it to you and then i show you how to apply apply it into your life, okay? So number one, you don't have to go find the piece of content. Number two, you don't have to partake of the piece of content. And number three, you don't even have to figure out how to apply it into your life. I do all of those things for you. I literally just put it on a silver platter and give it to you, okay? You literally just have to show up, listen, and apply. That's all you have to do. But again, this is not for hobbyists, okay? This is for people who are super, super, super serious about music production. So if you wanna check that out, again, you can partake of that over here. Which brings me to my third point. All of our content in the DAW, behind the DAW, Mastermind Mondays, all of this content can be partaken of in two different ways. Number one is probably where you are right now, which is on the YouTube channel, okay? You can watch it. You can see all of the content here. It all lives on the DAW Nation YouTube channel but you can also partake of it on the go with our podcast. So if you're on the go, if you're driving, if you're at work, if you're working out, if you're doing dishes, 
I do a horrifically huge amount of dishes every day. It's actually really concerning. Anyways, doesn't matter. So if you want to partake of that over on the podcast, well, guess what? You totally can, okay? You can find the podcast over on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Deezer, SoundCloud. Obviously, we're on YouTube. I was going to say YouTube. Don't need to say YouTube because we're on YouTube. If you have any podcasting app, the Daw Nation podcast is over there. Also, wherever you go listen to it, please subscribe, okay? If it's on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is, please subscribe because then you'll get notified over there as well. And then the fourth thing that I'm going to talk about, which is something that I alluded to at the beginning of this episode, is that Zan Griffin and I built something huge together, okay? So like I mentioned, he has his Zodiac album, which Capricorn, the song that we just broke down, is on. That album has went on to get over 100 million streams, and we've put together a masterclass for that album, okay? So if you want to see all 14 of the songs on the Zodiac album broken down, literally showing you everything inside of it, just like we did in this episode, well, guess what? You can do that, okay? If you go ahead and go over to dawnation.net, there's also a link below, and there is also a pinned comment with that link in it down in the comment section. You can go ahead and check out the masterclass over there, which by the way, we are actually launching this course with the release of this episode. And so if you go and click on that link right now, you're actually going to find a special deal for that masterclass. It's usually $200, but right now it's $97, all right? It's not gonna be like that for long. It's just for the special launch price. And if you sign up right now, you're also gonna get bonuses with that masterclass. You're gonna be able to get project files, stems, extra samples, extra presets, all this kind of stuff that comes with signing up right now. But that offer is not going to last. So if I was you, I'd highly encourage you to go and get that masterclass right now. It's just $97 and you get all of the bonuses with it. But donation with all of this out of the way, I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of In The Doll with Zan Griffin. And if you did, make sure to hit the like button, comment below, hit the subscribe button and the little notification bell. And also it'd be really cool if you took a screenshot right now and tagged us on an Instagram story. You can tag both me and Zan Griffin on an Instagram story. We would love to hear from you. Here is our usernames on the screen right now. Now it's about that time that all the pop-ups are showing up, which is fantastic. Over here in the top left corner is going to be a subscribe button. You can go ahead and click that and subscribe to the Nation YouTube channel. Over here in the top right corner is going to be our latest piece of content, all right, which very well could be the episode that you're watching or there could be a newer one by now. So go ahead, click up here to be able to check out our newest piece of content. Down over here in the bottom left corner, you are going to see a playlist for all of the In The Dot episodes, okay? So if you wanna see all the In The Dot episodes that we've ever had, go ahead and click down over here in the bottom left corner. And then finally over here in the bottom right corner over in this area, you are going to be able to partake of all of the behind the Daw episodes as well. But Daw Nation, on behalf of myself and the entire Daw Nation team, we really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of In The Daw. And we would highly encourage you to come back here next week because we have another episode coming out. That's going to be a Behind The Daw episode. And that one is going to be with Mern. With all that being said, we'll see you on next week's episode.